Okay. I promise we're going to get to some stuff that's not quite as hard and heavy as discipline and punishment, okay? But I always start with this because it seems to be where that's where a whole lot of the questions are. Um, Amy was telling me about a, a Bible class that she had this week, and she was really pleased with the discussion. But one of the, the kids was saying, well, how do you, she was talking about kind of the culture in which um, some of Paul's letters were written, and one of them said, how do you know all this? And she said, well, it was a great time to talk about, there are things called commentaries. And, but she concluded by saying you can read a commentary that says this and a commentary that says that, and you're going to have to decide. And she went on to say to the student, and don't take something just because I say it. And I so feel that. If something that's said in class doesn't make sense to you, if it doesn't resound, you don't have to swallow it. I, I don't proclaim inspiration, okay? Um, I don't even proclaim wisdom. I only proclaim experience. So if something doesn't feel right to you, or even something that we've suggested that you try, um, it's more important that you be confident of what you're doing than um, you try any one technique. Pat Ward made some reference the other night to parents throw away all the parenting books, and I thought that's so strange. But I think I understand it now because I think I see people, oh dear, I've got to go do this and I've got to go do that. If we come out with a couple of ideas that resound with you, that you're willing to say, oh, I think I could do that, then I think we've been successful. Okay, we're talking about um, training and teaching and discipline, and those are words that I much prefer to punishment, but we will talk about punishment today. We've talked about this before, working only on what you're willing to be consistent with. If you don't have time and energy to tackle something, then just don't have it. It's okay, it'll survive. Eventually, you will get to that. But I'd rather you pick the things that you're ready to work on and that you're going to work on and be consistent every single time. Oh, just forgot. Doug, tell what you've got to share with us this morning. Sure. So in the, the class email that went out this week, um, there was an announcement about a partners and parenting event at Lipscomb Academy this Tuesday night at 6.30 p.m. at the McAdams uh, athletic, athletic Complex, which is a large building right next to uh, the football field there. But Hal Rumpel is, is coming on campus. Hal is a licensed marriage and family therapist. I think he's an ACU grad. Uh, he's been on, today, on the Today Show several times. Uh, he lives in Atlanta with his, his wife, and they have two children, two daughters, uh, a daughter and son, have some connections to Great Atlanta Christian there in Atlanta, if you're familiar with that school. Um, but Partners in Parenting is an opportunity for Wilson Academy just to provide uh, parenting resources, experiences, and this is not just for parents of students. This is for anyone. So if you're interested in that event, that's happening this Tuesday. But I have 20 or so books up here. Feel free to grab one. Free, no obligation to attend. Uh, we just mentioned that and thought that you might be interested in having that resource. Thank you. Okay. All right. Back to consistency. Um, better to work on one or two rules consistently than 20 inconsistent. And part of this is for your own benefit because if you're working on a whole bunch and you're being inconsistent, frankly, you're gonna get discouraged because you're not gonna see any results. So take one or two <coughs> and really work on those and then you'll see some results and you'll get some patterns established and then you can move on to something else, okay? Okay, this is our line from Ruth Flucker. Don't tell a child no unless you're willing to get off the couch, off the couch and make it happen. And I need to tell you, 
this helped me enormous. I cannot tell you how many times I made myself get up off the couch just because she'd said this, because I knew it made sense. That if I've said it, I need to follow through. Punishment can be avoided. We've, we're kind of reviewing by getting off the couch and helping the child brush his teeth or pick up his toys or whatever you, you need for him to do. You don't necessarily have to punish if he's not moving. You just help him do what you're doing. Um, if he's not coming in from outside and you've called him, you may just be going outside and if he's small enough, you are picking him up. Or if he's larger, you may be grabbing his hand and helping him walk in with you. you the important thing is that he is going to complete whatever you have told him to do. Okay? Okay. Pick your batters, battles carefully because when you pick a battle, it's important that you win. I don't like the wording of that. That is so adversarial. It says that there's a winner and a loser. But let's state it better. The child needs to know for sure that the parent is in control. Okay? Um, I think this authority control piece is rightfully a little scary because it can be abused. It is often abused in the parent-child relationship. Frankly, control is abused in many, many, many situations. Uh, and you don't want to be guilty of that. But the other side of that is you do have a God-given responsibility to be in charge. And your child even needs for you to be in charge. Now, he is not going to tell you that. He doesn't know that. He won't really understand that until he's about 30, okay? But he does need the security of being in charge because, frankly, as much as he's trying to be in control, a five-year-old that's really in control is really in a scary position. And at some level, they intuitively know that. So there is great security for the child and mama and daddy being in charge. Okay? Okay. Punishment is best used when training has been precise and consistent so that the desired behavior is clearly well understood and or established. Now, the water gets a little murky here. What is punishment, what is logical consequences, we're going to talk about all those, but punishment is something, it's a loss of privilege, it's a delay of gratification, it's a deliberate discomfort of some kind, but it's going to, I think to be fair, we don't want to use that unless we know the child knows how to do what we're asking for, okay? So this age-appropriate fits in, previous training fits into this, but I'm going to urge you to use punishment sometimes, but let's pick our times really carefully. And if we're not really sure the child knows how to do it, then punishment might not be appropriate then. It might be that we need to try, train a little bit more. I can say all day to my four-year-old, three-year-old sitting beside me in church, I, I, I have no solution to this, but I, 
always feel so uncomfortable on those three or four Sundays that we have during the year that all of a sudden our three-year-olds are sitting in church with no previous, they haven't done it for three months, but all of a sudden they're there that Sunday and we're going to ask them to sit quietly for an hour and 15 minutes. It's just not going to work. Okay? So that's an, uh, to, to yank your kid up and take them out and punish them because they're not sitting quietly. And the first part. Pl- you feel uncomfortable because it feels unfair to the child. Yes. Not uncomfortable because you don't like watching children squirm. Oh, I, the swarming doesn't bother you, and I am the one to sit by. If you're, that's the day you want to sit by me because I'm going to have great empathy for that child. Where do you normally sit? <laughs> First service, kind of in the back. I, I really do. I just really feel for the child because we're asking him to do something that in the first place may not be age appropriate, and in the second place, even if he could come to it, we have not had any experience doing that. And because those, and I understand why we do that, please. I do understand that. I'm not criticizing children's ministry in any way for that. But we do it at Christmas, and then we'll do it again maybe at Easter, and then we do it the 4th of July. Well, three-month interval, what kind of learning do we have from three months ago? None whatsoever, okay? Now, when I was raising my children, we didn't have things called children's worship. And I knew how to bring the bag of tricks, and I had a, especially my first one could, could look at a book and eat raisins quietly for an hour and a half with ease. But most children can't do that. That was the plus side of her being very quiet and very timid, and, and that was just her personality, okay? But most children can't do that. So if the behavior has not been well-trained, then I, I think we do. Not do we ignore it? No. But we walk them through it. We show them how to do it. We insist upon it happening but we're not punishing, okay? Okay? Okay, punishment's not medicine. Sometimes it is absolutely necessary. There is some research, and this research is old, right? So you may have some that's much more up to date, but about a classroom. And as I recall, the ideal proportion was 95% positive comment and 5% more negative that if you had 50-50, you just had a really uncomfortable, depressing classroom. But if you had 100% positive with no negative, you pretty much had chaos because nobody's enforcing the rules, okay? So I do think punishment's necessary, but if you are punishing all day long, we probably would want to look at what we're punishing and if there are other ways to do this. It should be carefully administered in small dosages because it can have negative side effects, but it must be given consistently. What are some of the negative side effects? No, let's hold that. We're going to talk about that later because there are negative side effects to punishment. Okay, let's go to the next one. What training might look like, and I just arbitrarily drew this because I want you to get a feeling, though, that we're going to teach and reteach and a little bit of punishment. But now, if this lets you off the hook and you think, I don't have to ever punish, I can just, you know, make it wonderful, you're missing what I think, what I'm saying. I have seen an, in my generation, and I think to some degree, it may be even more so in your generation, maybe we watch too much Leave It to Beaver where they never had to have really cross words and, and, and so I think I had this vision that in a, a good family, 
there was always going to be calm and peace. And yeah, we might have to correct people every once in a while, but not very often. Um, I think there's such, so there's so many reasons to avoid the confrontation, to avoid the question. Now, I'm going to talk out of both sides of my mouth because I don't know all of you very well, but I would bet in a group this size that there's some of you that are avoiding punishment and some of you are too quick to go there, okay? So, yes, I, I am advocating a pretty middle balance ground. All right. I want us to divide up in small groups where she met this morning, and I want us to talk about some of the negative effects of punishment, okay? So I'd like for you to get in groups of six, seven, five, six, just arbitrarily, and talk about that. And I'd like for you to kind of make some mental notes so that when we're finished, I'd like for you, some of you to be able to shout out some conclusions that you came to. Negative effects of punishment. Okay? Five minutes? <laughs> hey, if you don't know everybody in your group, let everybody at least introduce themselves. <laughs>
to share a little bit with me what you concluded. I think there's some spots up front and I promise I will buy. Okay, what are some conclusions that you came to? What are some of the negative consequences of punishment? Okay, if we're doing too much of it, they kind of acclimate to it and then they just ignore it. Okay. Yes, yes. It just gets more and more and more negative. Yes, yes. Oh, yeah. I just I can't, can't ever please her. Defeated. Yes. Someone in our group, wiser than me, said uh, promotes, could promote excess fear in the child. Well, I think, that, I think that's a very legitimate one. I, I, yes, I would put that, frankly, pretty high on my own personal list. Maybe especially eroding your relationship? Yes, yes. I, I think that's one of the most difficult things about adolescence, that you're trying so hard to maintain a good relationship, and discipline gets in the way of that. Nobody likes to be disciplined. Yeah. Anything else? Maybe the child receives a lack of love. Yes, yes. You don't really care about it. And part of the reason I want us to identify these is not to say we're not going to punish. And let's choose punishment that does as much as we can to avoid the negative outcomes. Okay, let's go to the next one. I mean, punishment by definition is unpleasant. It's a negative stimulus that is designed to decrease the likelihood of the behavior being repeated. Now, I understand, frankly, timeout was a consequence, a punishment. That's more of a punishment than a consequence that I used on a fairly regular basis. And I understand that there's a book out that is, um, thinks that timeout is traumatic for a child. Um, if you're putting your child in the basement with scary music and darkness, um, I definitely think that's traumatic. I think, if I understand this book, and I'll be honest, I have not personally read it, the idea is that you need to go sit beside your child while they're in timeout so that they're not traumatized. I'm sorry. I don't normally think that's unnecessary or even appropriate. Because I'll tell you what I'm concerned about here. Remember we said that attention was very, very important to most children, even negative attention? So if you discipline your child, and this is one of the reasons not to discipline in a way that you don't feel good about, because then if you discipline your child, 
And then you, oh, I'm so sorry we had to discipline you. And, and I really do love you. And you know how much I love you. And, and let's hug and kiss and cuddle and whatever. get that much affirmation, okay? So I am personally a fan of separating affection and positive, sweet, wonderful attention from the moment of correction. Does that mean that we're gonna scream and holler and say negative things and you're a bad kid and I can't believe you did this? No, but very matter-of-factly. I'm really sorry but you did not follow instructions, and so the consequence is you will be in timeout for 10 minutes, okay? Now, um, negative means it can't be all fun. I had a grandchild that you could have put in timeout in his room for an hour and a half, and he would have been happy as a lot. <laughs> he could play with his little... Um, Fisher Price toys forever. So is playing in his room a timeout? Not ever, ever, ever. Okay. Now, um, having to sit on your bed and not play with your toys might be a very appropriate timeout for him. He didn't like to sit. For many children, missing out on whatever's going on is truly a negative consequence. And I always like, when I could, to make it even more fun what's going on when they are in the um, Okay, does that make sense? Okay, next one. Punishment that's not working might look like this. It was worth it. Okay, now as you get older, this one gets tougher. I don't mean to um, be disrespectful of the dead, but I worked with a librarian, and a few of you will even know her, that sometimes thought books were more important than the students that she taught. <laughs> and so she was a little obsessive about having all the books in order. And one of the students, who is a member here now, decided it would be so much fun. <laughs> and he did. And I'll just be really honest. I couldn't think of a punishment that was legal or ethical that would have stopped him. It, he, he knew he'd gotten to her, and he took such pleasure in that. I have a vivid memory of my son in eighth grade science with a teacher that probably was ready to retire, but um, her hearing wasn't real good. and boys would sit in the back of the class and make noises and do all sorts of things. And I think my son was a pretty good kid, but he didn't want to be a goody-goody two-shoes, okay? And to make it worse, his dad was an elder and his mother was principal of the elementary school. And so he had a little bit of a need to be sure he wasn't too closely associated with, you know, that. And I remember knowing how tempted he was to be a part of the problem. And I really I couldn't think of a punishment that would weigh against the peer approval that he was going to get from his friends if he participated in this. And I pulled out everything I knew to say. I said, you know, this is 
we talk about respect. We believe in respect. That is at the highest level just wrong because it is disrespectful. And because I couldn't think of a good punishment, I said, I don't know what I'll do to you if you do that. But I will do my best to make it something that you never forget, knowing full well I had no idea of something from us. What I'm saying is sometimes it's really hard to come up with something for something that they really want to do. So I might even say, for instance, when we were talking about sitting still in church, if you've got a really, really active child, there's nothing you can threaten that's going to let them be still for two hours. So maybe a better plan is let's go for 35 minutes and then we are going to get up and walk around. Okay, does, does that make sense? Okay, consider using logical or nat- natural consequences. This often seems more fair to the child. Amy talked about the consequences of um, Drew wanted to take the sandwich and wander around the kitchen eating it. And she kept putting the sandwich back on the table. And they have your sandwich when you sit at the table. Gets back up with the sandwich to walk around, she puts it back on the table. That's a really easy, logical consequence. It only works if he's hungry. Does that make sense? But if he's hungry, that one works. What other logical consequences can you think of? What? Th- th- these things tend to make sense to the child. Okay, I have a grandson that I suspect was very cold this morning. He's on the middle school retreat in Gatlinburg. And when I took him to catch the bus Friday, I said, you did get a jacket, didn't you, Cole? Oh, no, Grandma, I don't need a jacket. Cole, it's going down to 29 in Nashville on Saturday night. I bet it'll be even colder in the mountains. Do you have a long sleeve something? Oh, I got a long sleeve shirt. Is it like a heavy kind of almost like a jacket shirt? No, it's just one of those dry fit shirts. Cole, is that all you have? I'll be fine, Grandma. He's probably cold. <laughs> but that is a natural consequence. And unless frostbite is an issue, it's time for him to experience. It was hard for me to do that. Even at the last minute, I offered to run by his house and get the jacket. Okay, what else? Natural consequences. Uh, in the minivan, um, you know, it, it can get loud. So if there's a child being really loud, we say, hey, just be quiet for five minutes. You can take five minutes or something and talk. Okay, nobody's going to talk for five minutes? No, the child. The child is not going to talk. Okay, so you have been so loud that you've lost your privilege, so the natural consequence is you have to be quiet for five minutes. Yeah, good one. We're trying to teach our our little one to not stand up in either her chairs or other chairs, and she's had a couple fall, and that freaks her out, and I don't think causes her any permanent damage because we won't let it be a situation where she's going to seriously hurt herself, but she's quickly learning that this doesn't lead to things that she likes. And you didn't push her out of the chair to make her fall. <laughs> well, well, and this is perfect. And you don't even have to. You don't even have to say, "I told you so." Oh, I am so sorry you fell. You might say, "Oh, that just does happen sometimes when you're standing here." In case she didn't make the connection. Other ideas. I mean, I think this one's. I, this is a little bit of a stretch for natural consequence. But sometimes the toys had to go in time out at our house. Because if a toy is being used to bang your brother over the head, that's not an appropriate use for the toy, and the toy has to go into time out. Does that make sense? 
So one of the things we were talking about is that consequences may never seem effective enough, or it's maybe logical or natural. Uh, so like in my case, uh, timeout. I put my two-year-old daughter in timeout. She can probably literally stand there an hour in the corner and have just as much fun as if she's outside playing. Or if you take a toy away and you tell her, hey, if you do this, I'll take your toy away. She does it and she automatically brings you her toy as punishment. <laughs> okay, she's back to the little boy that it's worth it. Okay, I don't have easy answers, but if she, if, if, she, now, let, let me, a couple of caveats. Most children will try very hard to make you think that they don't care when they're being punished. So they'll say, I don't mind standing in the corner, or I don't mind this. It's hard if you take my toy. Um, don't just go by what they say. But if it doesn't change behavior over time, then you're right. For whatever reason, that is not a negative consequence for her. Uh, and so you're going to have to probably find something else that does have some level of negative consequence to it. some book um, that a, an older child did not, I don't remember, he didn't, his mother told him to go upstairs or something. Yeah, he was really mad and she told him to go upstairs to his room and he refused to go and she did nothing because she physically, she couldn't take him up there. And so that night, they just, she said, I'll, I'll deal with this tonight. And so that night they were talking, and he was older, we're going to talk a lot about not delaying punishment too much. And the father says, well, it looks like he needs to practice going upstairs. And so he had to practice going upstairs <laughs> for a number of times. That's silly, but it, it's also harmless. It's not hurting the child. And I, I think we want to be very careful that punishments don't hurt or demean, okay? But this is just kind of a logical consequence. Now, your classic, the child that wouldn't buckle the seatbelt, and we're going to sit in the car, and the car doesn't go, the seatbelt's buckled. That is perfect. The only dilemma is sometimes you just don't have time to wait the child out. The good news is, though, if you do it a few times, most kids catch on. It's just not worth the effort. I just buckle my seatbelt. Yes? I know when our girls wouldn't pick up their toys, I'd ask them three or four times. Finally, I said, if you don't go pick up the toys and get the trash bag, and whatever toy I get is gone. I got a trash bag and I started and they flipping out and I said, well, y'all better go start picking up and any toy that, that I got to before they got to, gone. And now they always pick up their toys. <laughs> I would not argue with that one bit. I'll be honest, I think that's really hard to do. 
Now, some people keep them in the garage for a week or two weeks or a month. We got, we got too much stuff anyhow. Okay, yeah, I get it. I get it. I get it. Um, and especially if you can do that in a very matter-of-fact way, you might even say, I'm thinking that you have so many toys that you don't really want to take care of them because you have so many. So this is a logical consequence to... We, we use the... Uh, you're not picking them up, so we're going to send them to children who will. Oh, oh that's really a little... Again, I couldn't argue with that. I would have said that kind of thing. I, in an ideal world, I think I might have preferred to say, you know, I'm sorry this is the choice you've made, and let them come to that conclusion. But yeah, yeah, yeah. yes. What about y'all that says no? Go, go upstairs, Simon. He says no about going upstairs. How old is he? Uh, she, can you pick her up and take her upstairs? Yeah. I mean, I mean, I, I'm not proud of this, but I have held a bedroom door closed <laughs> because the son would not stay in town out. I mean, and he was big enough that I'm having to hold it for all I'm worth. It's still a kick and scream and well, you may have to call her on that sometimes, but do it when you're in a good mood and you can handle all the repercussions of that. <laughs> well, I, I'm really serious about this. Um, let's walk through another. Oh, we're not covering very much today. Let's walk. Let's, let's walk through another one. Somebody, and I can't remember who even said this. So, if, if you want to speak up and give me more pieces, but th th it's a young child, and he doesn't want to sit at the table and eat his supper. He wants to get down and play. But then two hours later, you know, he's hungry and he wants to eat. Okay, I think our first piece here is to, is to ask, is it developmentally appropriate? Is this child old enough to sit at the table for a, a length of time? Now, if he's two, he's probably not ready to sit at the table for 30 minutes. My husband eats slower than anyone you have probably ever experienced. And even when my children were quite old, I allowed them to take a book when we went out to eat. Because there came a time that I thought it was beyond a reasonable expectation for them to sit quietly. I, I'm serious about this. Uh, and yet he had every, it was fair that he could enjoy his meal and his time in his way, okay? That seemed respectful. Um, so anyway, you've got this child and, and they're going to get down. Now the logical consequence is to say, if you get down, that's okay. But the food is gone for the evening. I'm going to be honest, I couldn't do that to a two-year-old. I could do it in a minute with Amy's four-year-old. Because I think he's, but if you're going to do it, if you're going to say the food is gone, then maybe that's the night that you fix something that he likes so that he eats a little more than usual. So that when you say, I'm, when he comes back to you at 7.30, Mommy, I'm hungry, you can have some level of peace to say, I'm really sorry, but remember we said that the food was going to be put up. Another way to do this might be to say, instead of working on the food piece with the two-year-old, because I'll be honest, I'm, I would have a hard time. Maybe you don't, and if you don't, I'm not telling you that that's the wrong decision. 
um, I would work on, we're going to stay at the table for 10 minutes, or we're going to stay at the table for 12 minutes. And so I might even use them. I love timers. That kids can see those timers. They can see how it works. We're going to stay there for 10 minutes. And, and then if he gets through in five, and they will. If you've ever wondered why lunchtime is so brief in elementary school, do you know how long it takes a child to eat their lunch in elementary school? Six minutes. <laughs> and so if you have a 30-minute lunch hour, lunch period, you have got 24 minutes with nothing for them to do except to find something to do, okay? So it's not going to take him long to eat, but then maybe that's the night that you're very intentional about talking to him and tell Daddy what you did today and do you remember this? Let's make it as easy as we can. This is that training behavior. Does, does that make sense? So if you've got him at the table for 10 minutes, and that's your routine, then he's more likely to begin to eat a little more. A am I making sense of this? Okay, let's go to the next one. Okay. Um, the negative, the behavior you want to change has to be in some proximity to the negative consequence, okay? Um, the younger the child, the closer it it needs to be. I do think for children under three, it needs to be pretty quick. They don't remember tomorrow <clears throat> why they've lost that privilege. I think for this three and six, these are guidelines that I took from another source. I'll be honest, I think for those, they're too conservative. I think most, I don't have it, Drew's almost five. I definitely think that he can have a problem in the morning and know that he has lost his screen time that afternoon. But you've got to make it meaningful for your child something way out in the future. I had this dear fourth grade child who was having so many problems at school and frankly if I had as many problems in my life as he had I'd be having trouble at school too. But dad promised that they would go to Disney World if he stayed out of trouble. This is November. They're going to Disney World next June. I'm sorry there's no relationship not even for a fourth grader. It's got to be closer. On the other hand, I'm not at all a fan to wait till your father gets home. I, there are times for that. When they're older and it's a grievous offense, then it's certainly appropriate to say, this is a big deal, Dad and I need to talk about this. Especially if you're not sure that you and Dad are on the same page. Okay? But I don't like the delay. I don't like Dad being made the bad guy, the heavy. Um, I'm personally I'm sorry. Our class is over. It's time to go. <laughs> I was going to finish punishment today, but there's a few more things I want to say about punishment. So, if, are, we, are we moving way too slow for you? Are you okay? Okay. Then we'll do a little bit more about punishment next week. And remember, oh yeah, and I didn't mean to discourage you from reading books. I read all of them. Take what you get. On he's supposed to be quite reasonable. It's three events, six thirty. Thank you.